Episode 139. Hi, welcome to my mum's show. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this episode of the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast. My name is Julia Husher and I am thrilled to have you here. If you are a new listener, well, then I want to wish you a huge warm welcome to the show and I really hope you enjoy it. And if you are a regular listener, thank you so much for tuning in again. Well, here in Sydney, school holidays are starting at the end of this week. I know in Queensland and Victoria, they have already started. I'm not sure about the other states, not sure about other countries, sorry. But anyway, we're off to Perth next week. So that'll be really good for my daughter. I'm excited as well to catch up with some people and just, you know, do my thing, take care of myself, you know, all that good stuff that we need to do more of as single mums. Just a little reminder to you, if you are a regular listener of this show, I would be so delighted if you could quickly take a few seconds to rate this podcast And if you have a few minutes to even write a review, this makes the podcast much more easier for new single mums to find. So I would be so grateful if you could do that. And don't forget to subscribe while you're there. That way you will never miss an episode. Okay, I want to get straight into this week's episode. I have to give you a little apology for the audio is not 100% to the way I would like it to be. So on the morning that my guest and I had planned to record this podcast, uh, my in my building, they decided to drill, like not even drill, it was like jackhammering in my garage, which was just my whole like house was vibrating. It was insane. So I had to get out of there. You may have seen me talking about this on my Instagram stories because I was not happy about it. <laughs> I think it was just the lack of warning, really. I was like, ah, oh, okay, I've got three podcasts scheduled to record in the next two days and this is going to happen all day. So anyway, I had to get myself out of there and organized to go to the library. Now, I don't work in the library very often. In fact, I don't think I've ever worked in the library since university, but I seem to recall that they were very quiet places and not so much anymore, you know, and I should have remembered that actually from when I used to take my daughter to, you know, rhyme time and all that stuff. (laughs) Babies love books. Uh, Yeah, it was not the most quiet place in the world. There was like a senior citizen's Uh, workshop thing at the front of the door where I was sitting and kids crying and loud conversations and heels on the floorboards and the the room that I was in all its walls were glass so I could just see and hear everything and it was just a little bit noisy I've tried to cut it out as much as I can thankfully the audio problems are only really when I speak and and my guest is quite clear which is great so anyway apologies for that But nonetheless, this is an amazing episode and I'm really, really excited for you guys to hear it. Okay, let's get into it. I have been hanging out to have this beautiful lady on the show and I'm just so excited that she's joining me today. So my guest today, one day she was living a blessed life as a PR professional with an international career and a loving partner and the next she was an unemployed single mom with two children under the age of three, one of whom was fighting for his life as a premier. 
She has just written this amazing book called Dream a Little Dream and in it she tells how she shifted her life quickly from one unexpected trauma and devastating heartbreak to a life that she loves, including an award-winning PR consultancy, LBPR. Welcome to the show, Lisa Belling. Thank you, Julia. I'm so excited to talk to you. I've followed you for quite some time, so this is a really special moment for me. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy that you're here. Like I haven't even had the chance to tell you this yet because we only just started chatting, but I just finished your book and it's just freaking incredible. Like I, I, just, I was just reading it and I was like, it, it makes me feel so happy. Like it's one of those books where you're just reading it and you're like, oh, I feel so good about life. I love it. <laughs> That is so good because that's that's what I wanted, you know, whoever ended up reading it and having it in their hands that they would finish it or, you know, read parts of it and feel inspired or yes. positive or that, you know, even from the worst circumstances, the most amazing things can happen. Yes, exactly. And I, I just can't wait to talk to you all about it. Um, but before that, I discovered by reading your book, we have a lot in common, a lot. So you probably don't awesome. know. Awesome. But so not only are we obviously both single mums, but my favorite podcast in the whole world is Oprah's Supercell Sessions. And oh, so I good. love it's so good. And I love to play Lego with my daughter. I love Kiki K stationery. We both love to read. And in fact, some of the books that you listed in the back are some of my favorite books as well. And we both love Prosecco. Oh my gosh, well, we're basically sisters. Exactly. We're twins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so good. I'm always very suspicious of people that don't like Prosecco. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's really good. Yeah. Okay, so as I said, your book was so inspiring and enjoyable to read. And before we kind of chat about it, can you give us a bit of a background, you know, um, tell us where you live. Um, we know you have two boys, but can you give us a bit of a sort of a background of your um, relationship and separation and how that all kind of played out? Yeah, well, I talk about it in the book, as you know, that I you know, was living really a, a charmed life and it was a life by design. I worked very hard. I went to university to become a journalist and that led me to London where I lived and worked for 12 years, building my career, working with and on amazing things. And I decided at the uh, I guess maybe 32, I think I was, as a lot of women do, that perhaps it was time to go home and grow up. And if I wanted to be a mum, I had to make a decision about whether that would be overseas or at home closer to my family. So I packed up and I came back and I found myself working in Sydney in a PR consultancy and reconnected with someone that I went to school with who I had a, a crush on pretty much since preschool. And we picked up where we left off and that really led me on uh, a really kind of frantic, I guess, goose chase almost for three years that saw me move from Sydney um, to a very small coastal town called Kayama, about two and a half, three hours south, uh, in a job where I was working for the local council doing work that I'd done at the start of my career and being a mum. And at that point I had my little boy Luca, who's now eight. And I accepted that that was probably where life should be at that age, you know, where we're constantly fed uh, stories by the media and external uh, places that that's what you should be doing. So I, I was satisfied and I thought, well, I've had my fun in London. Now it's time to, to settle down. But my second little boy, Nate, came early. And I do, as you know, lead with that story in the book because Nate's premature arrival 
pretty much unraveled my life. Um, my partner did not cope with that. And I know now having been so public with that experience that I'm not alone um, in, you know, male or female not coping when a preemie baby's born. And two days after that, he told me that he was leaving. So yeah, it was literally, you know, an overnight situation where one day I had a partner and I thought, okay, I'm secure. I've got a house, all of those things. And the next day I had none of it. I was a single mom, two little boys under the age of three, one fighting for his life, no job, wondering where I was going to live. And I really felt like I was having an out-of-body experience, that this was a big old joke uh, that was just being thrown into the mix of a crazy time. But it wasn't It wasn't a joke. It was my reality. And uh, I had a really, really big hill to climb to get my life back on track. It's just such a traumatic thing to go through because, I mean, having a preemie baby, like, I don't know, but I'm sure that's really stressful. And um, and then to have that happen, but that's really interesting that that's really common that some people freak out and just leave. Yeah, I think it's you know, when people are thrown into situations of stress and de-stress, mm-hmm. that fight or flight and I clearly was not going anywhere. Uh, you know, I was really focused on making sure we got Nate well. Um, that's my little boy's name because he was a neonate. Uh, but, oh. you know, my partner at the time, it, it just was a situation where he just wasn't able to cope. And on, upon reflection, there's, I guess, some um, uh, compensation I make for that. But, yeah, it was pretty difficult. And uh, emotions are heightened when you're in a neonatal intensive care. You know, you know, there's little babies being born at 24 weeks and being flown off in the Westpac Care Flight helicopter and, you know, some babies are there one day and they're not the next. It's, it's really, really stressful. But, yeah, to then find yourself in a position where you don't have a, your partner supporting you and your whole life's falling apart makes it a lot worse. Was everything fine during the pregnancy? No, no. And again, as you know, I I allude to that in the book. I think we rushed into a relationship on the basis of, you know, a high school romance. Everything happened very quickly. And fundamentally, if you don't share the same values with that person and you're not on the same path in terms of what you aspire to and what you want your life to look like, it's always going to fall apart. It's it's a sandcastle just waiting to crumble. And I think because Nate's birth was so traumatic, what was potentially going to happen anyway was expedited. Mm. Yeah, it's so full on. And then you didn't tell your family initially what had happened. Were you, do you think a bit in denial? Oh, yes, completely. I mean, I, I thought that he would come around. I thought we'd get through it. This was towards the end of the year. Nate was born in October. So we had Christmas to get through. And my my goal was to get Nate out of hospital by Christmas and we'd all be together and it'd all be fine and, we, and we'd move on. Um, but, yeah, that, that definitely wasn't the case. And to be completely frank, Julia, I was so embarrassed at the thought mm. of being a single parent. That was yeah. not something that I was surrounded by. Uh, my parents had met when they were 16 at high school. You know, my family is very solid. So I felt really ashamed that I was a single parent because, you know, that was eight years ago or no, five years ago, sorry. And when you think about single parents, you think about Centrelink and you think about struggle and, you know, on one decision away from poverty, you know, it's not a pretty picture. And uh, one of my goals is, and you're doing it too, is to change that, that actually that's not necessarily the story and you, you can have an amazing life but yeah I was really ashamed so I didn't say anything for for three months it was which was really hard too and they must have been really shocked when you 
eventually told them what had happened. Yeah. But yeah, supportive. I bet supportive. Very shocked. Oh, I'm so lucky. I'm, I've got such beautiful parents and surrounded by, you know, beautiful extended family and friends. But, yeah, people were shocked, really shocked, uh, and they were at the place I was when I got that phone call uh, three months earlier. And then you were also managing other people's emotions and how they're dealing yes. with it because there's a lot of anger, a lot of shock and a lot of anger. And I got myself to a, a point when I was talking about it publicly where I'd not put the anger to bed but could manage it and was moving more into survival mode. So yeah. what do I have to do in terms of my mindset to make this better? Because yeah. when you've got little people looking at you and you've got to look after them and, and you know this it really does spur you on to get your shit together you don't have time to waste this is not about you this no. is about them and creating a life that gives them everything that they deserve too yeah you're right like I think when you tell your family or your loved ones like this I don't know I found this myself like there's a lot of kind of disbelief sometimes like not so much with my daughter's dad but like I dated this guy for example and he ghosted me and like I was shocked and I had to kind of grieve that but then my family didn't understand it they were like why like I don't understand what happened why why I was like I don't know like I don't know I don't know and you're like you're like you said you're kind of trying to manage other people's emotions and you just you don't know like you don't have all the answers it's really difficult to try and help other people get through it too it is, and in the default is to blame yourself yeah. and think what you could have done better. Was there something wrong with you? And the truth is sometimes it's nothing to do with you. Yeah. And everything to do with the other person and, and things that they're going through or where they're at, just where they're at in life. So that's something that I, you know, have really reconciled within myself that actually I couldn't have done anything differently. Um, I was being myself, I was, you know, being the best mum, the best partner I could be and it was just unfortunately destined to to fail. Yeah, exactly, nothing. It was nothing, it's not your fault. So how is your relationship with him now? Is he involved? He is actually. Um, we're in a really good place. I mean, this is five years down the track yeah. uh, and there's been lots of ups and downs but I was really... Uh, conscious that we had a long road ahead of us with two very young children. I'm not a naturally um, confrontational person. And I always thought, well, if this is our situation, I want us at the very least to be able to co-parent and make decisions together. So literally before I got on this call with you, we had a lengthy conversation about Nate because he's on the autism spectrum um, and we've had to move him from a mainstream school into a special unit in a mainstream school. And so we had a really adult collaborative conversation about the best thing for him. So we're really where we probably should have always been, Julia, just really good friends or, you know, not good friends necessarily, but people that support each other and have our children's best interests at heart. Yeah. But yeah, it's taken. It's taken a while to get there and there's been lots of tongue biting and, you know, angry moments and frustration and all of those things. But now I feel that we're, we're on a really good, good path and the boys are at the centre of everything. And I think that's really important. I think sometimes we can get caught up in our own emotions and our own needs, but actually at the end of the day, these little people are the ones that have to be front and centre of any decision that's made. Yeah, exactly. I think it's really good and inspiring to hear like how you kind of got from sort of that traumatic experience to now having quite a good uh, co-parenting relationship because it's so hard for people to kind of overcome and think how can I ever like speak with this person like how can we like I don't like this person I don't want to be anywhere near him 
and but you just can't get away from them unfortunately yeah that's right and there are circumstances that people will be in where it's impossible to do that you know if there's been abuse or you know Mm. something like that I I completely understand it's not feasible and it also depends on the personalities of the two people as well but yeah it can be done and it is possible to you know stand next to each other on a soccer field and watch your son play soccer and it be very um you know friendly and, and normal and that that's where we're at and I'm, I'm actually really proud um that we've got to that point and now boys can see that mum and dad even though they don't live together are still connected in some way yeah you should be proud it's really good it's not easy it's not easy no it's not <laughs> <laughs> so like something that I mean you know right at the beginning kind of at the book you talk about um your journey from like you said you know you you kind of break up there's all that shame about being attached to being a single mum and kind of going into Centrelink and you kind of breaking down going I can't believe I'm here like what yeah. the heck is this you know and like it was really inspiring to kind of read how you how you got through that um how, like how did you find that process the Centrelink process or just getting from yeah yeah and like getting yourself out of like I mean you must have found that very kind of motivating did you find that really motivating to kind of um build something up and get yourself out of that kind of hole yes absolutely uh and I think they are the moments it's almost like the sliding door moment where you either let it beat you and define you or you decide actually this is my reality right now but I'm not going to accept it as my reality moving forward so I'll take the help that I need, but in the meantime and in tandem, I'm going to start creating a reality that is the life that I want. Uh, one of my favourite quotes, and I know your audience and you will, will resonate with this, is from J.K. Rowling where she says that rock bottom became the foundation on which she built her life. And I truly believe that Centrelink was my rock bottom. You'd think it was in the neonatal unit and, you know, the phone call, but it really wasn't. It was Centrelink because, again, what I said before about the stereotype and the the story that we're told about single parents, I was living that. Mm. And I thought, no, 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 no. I have not been the good girl all my life. I have not worked hard. I have not done the right thing for this to be the way it works out for me. So as soon as I went in and started, for the single parent benefits, I took myself across the road to a park and I pulled out my mobile phone and I set a diary date and it said, see, I told you things would get better. And by the time that diary date popped up, they absolutely had got better. So it's all about manifestation, isn't it? And setting little goals for yourself and if you you want it badly enough and when you're a parent, you, you absolutely want it for you and your children, I believe you can pretty much do anything. Yes. And I guess um, part of like, or how you kind of did that was through setting these sort of little dreams. And I love that. Like it was not big dreams. It seems a bit unachievable sometimes when you're really in a shit place, but like baby steps, little dreams at a time. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize until I started to write this book that that's what I'd done. I looked back through a few big pivotal experiences. So one of them was building um, my PR consultancy. The other was building my own house. And I thought, wow, you know, I've actually applied the same principles in both scenarios. And at no point did I allow myself to go to the place where they were done 
or that I'd achieved everything I wanted to. I just broke it down. And it's not rocket science. You know, we all know that dreams um, that are written down and, and put into actions have far more likelihood of being realized. But I really was like, there's something in this. You know, if I can go from unemployed, no job, to having an award-winning PR consultancy that employs other people and building my own house, so going into a bank and getting a loan as a business owner and a single parent, if I can do those two things and anyone can do them, and I felt a responsibility to put it in a framework that could help others, particularly single parents, do the same thing. Yeah. I'm just an ordinary girl. I really am, but I work hard and I know what I want and I'll I'll keep going until I get it. And the little dream philosophy, I was like, I just kept dreaming little dreams. That's when it kind of stuck in my head and I went, aha, I'm onto something here and I, I really would love to share it with other people. I think it's great because like in the book, you really talk about, because like so many people think about things, but they don't put them into action. You are like an action taker. So like you'll have the little dream and then you work out your little plan on how to get it and the steps involved. And you've got this quote, there's two actually that I want to read out that I just absolutely love. Um, the first one, it's entirely possible for you to achieve whatever you want to just by stitching little dreams together in a patchwork quilt that is your vision. Whether it's like me to run and build a great business while also building great children as a single parent or something entirely different, you've got this. I love that. I was like, yes, patchwork quilt. Like I love that analogy. So nice. I'd actually forgotten I'd written that. That's so lovely that you pull that out. Because I thought, yeah, I did write that bit. I remember. Yes, it's beautiful. And there was another similar one. Where is it? Here we go. When I think about life in my mind's eye, it's always a necklace and the little dreams are beads. Round and round the beads go, held tightly together by a chain or string, never-ending stream of moments. Nestled side by side, the beads or little dreams create your reality. Inevitably, little dreams come true and suddenly your necklace, the big dream, is complete. This is the circle of life. I love it. Oh, I'm so glad you like it. I do believe there was a glass of Prosecco next to me when that bit was written. (laughs) I love it. Prosecco makes like everything, like everything better. Fosters creativity, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's so cool. Um, Getting a mortgage, you you touched on that before. Like that part really resonated with me. It was really nice to see how you kind of overcame that and you just didn't take no for an answer. And I was really shocked by that person's, I think it was a a guy that you'd met through a business networking thing who just kind of Mm -hmm. said, having a roof over your head is a big achievement for a single mom. Like don't, don't worry about a mortgage kind of thing. Like you're renting, that's good enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There were a couple of stumbling blocks along the way. And I think again, in those moments, it's important just to step back and go, okay, you weren't the person to help me, but you've taught me something and now I'm going to keep going. So yeah, I walked into a bank and was um, looked at through the lens of someone who had an idea about what a single parent was and said a flat no. Uh, And then also, yeah, at a networking uh, group someone that I knew um, I was shut down even faster which I think probably hurt more because I knew this person and they'd seen me build the business over time yeah but I got my time lucky you know there was another beautiful man who I met uh, through my local business community who did help me and instead of turning me away sat down and helped me structure with my accountant what the business needed to look like for him to be able to say yep this is great so I kind of went about it backwards instead of, you know, curling money away and waiting and waiting and then going to the bank. I took a really um, collaborative approach to it. And I think that's an important 
lesson that I've learned that you you never have to do anything on your own. There's always people around you that can help, and all you have to do is ask. Yeah. We don't ask a lot now. We just get to ask for help or to admit that we're struggling, and I don't do that anymore. I'm like, I need help. This is my my goal. Can you help me? And really quickly, you work out the ones that are on the bus and the ones that aren't. So yeah. it took uh, three years to get that that loan sorted, but. I knew what the goal was. And again, back to little dreams. I just kept working hard, working hard, bringing the right people into my business, checking in with my accountant so there was accountability. And yeah, one day I got this beautiful phone call saying, Lisa, your loans have been approved. We're going to help you build this house. So yeah, so I built a house. I think it's amazing. Buy one, I built one because I really wanted to have a space that I'd designed where I'd picked everything that the boys could see being built. So we'd drive out to that pile of mud every weekend and look at it before construction started. Um, We live in the country. We're we're in Wollongong, just south of Sydney, but we're right at the base of the mountains. It's beautiful. There's cows and horses. And, yeah, this is where I was meant to be all along. I know that now. But, yeah, it's it's an amazing, amazing experience. Would you mind sharing that story with the painting? I love that. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's so cool. It's like. Yeah, like my Emma painting. Yeah, the one that you have in your room. Yeah, so I love visual cues and I love taking pictures of um, situations where I'm in something that perhaps isn't that great. But I'm like, take a picture of this now because in six months or a year, you'll be able to look back on it with a better picture and have a beautiful comparison. And I think it's because I'm a PR person, I'm in the game of storytelling. So I just naturally do that. Yeah. But when I was in Kayama and people that know um, the, the town will know where this is, there's a place called Storm Bay, which is right near the visitor center. And it's a really eerie, um, wild ocean, rocks everywhere kind of place that looks foreboding and welcoming all at once it has just has this really strange but compelling energy about it and when I was living down there and Nate had come home from hospital I was figuring out where to next I used to go and sit down there with the boys in the pram and just watch these waves and think about what I was going to do Fast forward a couple of years later, I had met a, a local artist called Kathy Karras who often paints scenes down in Kayama and she had painted Storm Bay but looking across to where I used to sit on the other side of the bank and I thought aha this is the comparison so I bought this painting well before I had the money to buy it it definitely went on a credit card (laughs) and I thought I'm paying this in my new house and you know the power of intention I always thought I was going to have this house so I bought something to put in it and that painting opposite my bed so when I go to sleep and when I wake up It's the first and last thing that I see and I always imagine sad, broken, what the hell am I going to do, Lisa, with two little babies sitting on the other side and this is really quite sad but often I'll wave. It's like, see, I did it, we did it. You know, there is hope. There is something on the other side. You just need to. No, I don't think that's sad at all. I think it's amazing (laughs) because it's also like it makes you feel grateful every day like and you sometimes forget the journey that you've been on and it's only really when you look back and you look at like journal entries or you look at I don't know just photos even or and you go wow like I was not in a good place and I'm like I should be really damn proud of myself like I've come really far <laughs> I, so I don't think we do that enough yeah um humans and particularly as women and single parents we don't stop and pat ourselves on the back even for the one day that we've had if we list everything that happens in a day we've got all the balls in there we're being six different uh people 
yes, we need to stop and celebrate that. And little dreams and, and that approach to life is also so closely linked to self-care because it forces you to stop and pat yourself on the back. You know, and I've got, as you know, in the book, I've got templates and they're all on my website that you can download that enable you to write things down and tick them off. So it's like, oh my gosh, you know what? I am, I am amazing and I am doing a good job. So yes, celebrate the little wins. I'm a big fan of that. Exactly. And one thing that you um, wrote in your book as well, and it was even a little reminder for me, and it was about like, life is about having fun. And I think sometimes as a single mum, you kind of forget that because you just have to kind of just, you know, get through each day and you're like, okay, you're always thinking about the next thing. You're like, okay, I've got to do this. I've got to do this with the kids. Oh my gosh, it's show and tell tomorrow. I've got to do this. I've got to buy cardboard for that. I've got to, um, you know, cook dinner. What are we having for dinner? And it, like you kind of forget to just be in the moment and have fun with your kids. You know, it's always about the next thing. And yeah, I just think that was such a nice little reminder. Yeah, and it's true, but it's hard, isn't it? Because there are things that have to get done. So, yeah, I, I struggle with it, to be completely honest, because there's so much going on and there's obviously the two of them and they're both at school now. And so, yeah, the times where I actually sit and enjoy my children are few mm. and far between, and that's something that I need to work on because my eldest is eight and people tell you it goes quickly and it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I've only got a few more years before he's a teenager and then, you know, I really have to put the foundations in before that. So yeah. it is hard to balance the functional with the emotional. Yeah, it is. It's really, really hard. And so Nate is five. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, like, that's why, I don't know, things like Lego is so good. I love playing Lego with my daughter because we can just sit there and chat and, like, do Lego. I'm a massive fan of Lego. It's so good. Like, some people hate it. But, like, I hate, like, craft. Like, sitting down and doing, like, a glitter painting with my daughter is my worst nightmare. <laughs> oh, me too. And we, we don't have Play-Doh or anything. My boys know that's at Nanny and Papa's house, my parents' house. There's nothing yeah. like that in our house. I just, yeah. I can't do either. But I can yeah. kick a soccer and you know I'm happy to go outside and run in the park so yeah everyone's got different stuff right yeah exactly you've got to find the stuff that you enjoy to do doing with your kids as well so that you can all have a good time together yeah absolutely one of my favorite chapters one of my favorite part I should say in the book was um part four where you talk about being your best self and um I love all that kind of stuff that you have in there about um, finding your values and um, I thought I really liked the concept of picking one value like I've always got my top five and I always use them to kind of help make decisions and just guide me and help me with clarity and stuff if I'm not really sure um, but having one is a really nice idea as well and I love yours of simplicity which kind of comes back to the whole just having fun and just being in the moment thing as well. Yeah, and you'll know in the book, I, I think I even write that I snort laughed at myself when simplicity <laughs> revealed itself to be my number one value because I am not in any way a person <laughs> from the outside in that looks like they live a simple existence that has a simple way of approaching things. It's, you know, it's not chaotic in the sense that I don't know what's going on, but there's a lot going on. But, yeah, a life coach that I worked with really forced me to work out if one value wasn't there could the others exist 
And when she asked me that, it became really clear that simplicity was number one, that I gravitate towards um, situations where they're simplistic, that I'm actually an introvert, which is a really interesting thing to be when you've built a career that's quite public and requires you to public speak and, and do things like this. But simplicity is awesome. And now that I know that's what it is, like you said, it guides the decisions that I make. I, I purposely don't do things or I can see that that value isn't at play. It's really, really awesome. So yes, if you don't know what your values are or you've not reassessed them for a while, I'd highly recommend doing it because it does create a more rich life and it means that you're good. And if you're not good, then everything's not good. And you know, you know that, and I'm sure the, the people listening know that as well. Yeah, exactly. It's so good. The other thing that I really liked, oh my gosh, I liked everything in this book, seriously, but that, like that last chapter, that last oh, amazing to me that you love it, but that you read it, you know, when you write a book, you sit there toiling away for hours on end and you think, God, is anyone ever going to read this? And if they read it, are they going to connect with it? So Julia, you've, you've made my day. I loved it. I read it from cover to cover. Like it came everywhere with me. It was in um, the bath with me, as you know. <laughs> Yes, it um, yes. came on a plane with me. I finished it off the other day when I flew to Melbourne. So um, I read it on the plane, read it by my bed. It was amazing. Absolutely loved it. I was showing it I was showing it to my best friend who I was staying with in Melbourne initially. I was like, you should read this book. It's so good. She's not a single mom, but like <laughs> she still had a baby. And I'm like, this is a really inspiring book. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. But there's this book, there's this part in um, where you talk about kind of your, your, your best self, which is, you know, part four, it's all about your best self. And you are kind of, you made this list kind of to help you with what you kind of want to focus on. And I just think that's a really nice way of kind of, what do you call it? Like structuring it sort of thing. Like you've got your health and you've got your physical and your mental and emotional and what you kind of need to do in those sections and in those areas and where you want to be. Like, so with your physical, you want to be healthy, strong, happy with where you're at and your body's limits. And then you've got also your business part of it and your finance stuff. Like it's just, it's really good having all these little, and I guess they're all like individually little dreams, aren't they? Yes, completely, completely. And I uh, was really conscious, back to what I was saying about you never alone, that I wanted to create, I, and I talk about this in the book, my own board. So if I was sitting at a table and yeah. I was the chair of Lisa Inc., who do I want sitting with me? What kind of expertise and skills that I don't have would they have to help me be the best version of myself? So one of the areas um, that I talk about, as you know, is mental and emotional health. Yeah. And I naively thought I probably didn't need to worry about that too much at the start that I just had to get on with, you know, fixing my life. But it became clear that actually my life was not going to be fixed if my head wasn't right. So I spent a lot of time reading personal development books and, and doing all that sort of thing. But I also decided that I was going to start seeing a psychologist just to have somebody outside of my life that I could sit and blurt what was going on to. The and debrief. Exactly. And that's really what it is for me. You know, I'm in no way, shape or form. And, and I, I never was in a point where I, you know, felt like I wanted to take my own life or was really low. But to have an external person just sit there without judgment, let you debrief, as you said, and then give you some guidance as to why you might be doing the things you're doing or feeling the way you are and some tools to take back out into the big wide world was such a good thing. And I will always see somebody always because I know without it, there's too much in my head, too much. Yes. And I, I can't 
with it and that's when the wheels start to fall off so that's the thing because when you're a single mom you just you don't have that person to necessarily just kind of nut things out with and you know you can obviously talk to your family and your friends but sometimes it's nice to just talk to someone like you said judgment free just kind of go this is what I'm thinking I don't know what what do you think (laughs) yeah it is because you're right you know one of the things you lose when you're not in a relationship and particularly with the person you've had children with is that kind of nighttime ritual where you you know lay your head on the the pillow together or you sit on the couch with a cup of tea and just debrief about what's happened and can talk about any concerns and there's something lovely about having nights on your own. Don't get me wrong. I, I really cherish those times. But equally, on occasion, you, you, as I said, you're too much in your own head. So to have someone externally that's not invested, that can hear you and, and guide you is probably the most valuable thing I've done for myself yeah. in the last few years, the investment in me. So good. Yeah, and then you've got all the t- other people in other areas You've got your life coach, you've got your psychologist. Who else was there? A business mentor, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I did have a personal trainer until quite recently. Yeah. <laughs> when I decided, actually, I just want to do my own thing now. I don't feel like I'm a bodybuilder. But, and look, I'm, I say this in the book as well. It, it, this is not me saying you need to pay people to help you at all. No. This is just my experience. And people dip in and out as well. So you might have a PT for a little while and then decide you don't need that. I'm a, the kind of person that likes to be accountable, so I look for others to please. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, if you've asked me to do that, then I'll, I'll do it. Um, and Little Dreams, that philosophy definitely is about accountability to yourself more than anyone else. Yeah, yeah it's, it's more about just what are the areas in my life that I need to have right for me to be right and then where do I go to make that happen? What does it look like? Is it a gym membership? Is it just running in the park on my own? That's completely up to the individual you're so right about like accountability and stuff. I'm doing this thing at the moment called getting, getting my sparkle back challenge. And um, I kind of put it out there for people who listen to this podcast and follow me on Instagram and stuff. And now there's 120 people. We're all doing this little challenge. And um, it's like I was saying to my friend on the phone yesterday, I was like, I'm really glad that I actually put out there that I'm doing this because I don't know if I'd still be doing it. It's only day two. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to do 10,000 steps every day and do 30 minutes of exercise and, you know, drink all this water. And like, because I'm putting it out there every day and I know there's all these people that are like doing it as well. I'm like, I don't have a choice. I have to. And it's the best thing ever because you need that. Sometimes you just need that accountability. It's everything. <laughs> Definitely. And I love the name. Get your sparkle back. <laughs> yeah. We're getting our sparkle back. It's great. <laughs> Um, so what do you think is the difference between people who achieve their little dreams and the people that don't because some people kind of have this victim mentality and um the way they might see it is that they don't they their dreams don't come true like maybe they're different or the universe isn't doesn't have their back you know what do you think is missing do you know what I mean yeah I do and I think for me the difference between the victim And the victor is this question, how badly do you want it? How badly do you want it? Because if you don't want it or you don't need it, it's not going to happen. You know, at the end of the day, the buck stops with you. For me, I was obviously in a situation where I had to make it work. I had to be able to provide for my children. We had to have a house. So the reason that things happened and happened quickly was necessity. But 
I don't think you need that to to make things happen. And it is mindset as well. It's absolutely mindset. You know, you have to back yourself. Uh, another technique I use, which helps me, is my future self. Mm. So if I don't do something now and writing a book is a really good example of that because quite frankly I didn't have time to write a book you know I'm running a a nearly seven-figure business I've got these two boys um, there's a lot going on and I would at night and on weekends wherever I could find time write this book and I had to constantly ask myself how badly do you want it Mm. and by it the responsibility to share the story with other people and I wanted it bad so I made it, I made it happen in future, my future self, if I was still sitting here, having not written this book, I'd be devastated inside. It would be eating away at me every single day. So yeah. it might be writing a book. It might be getting off your butt and going to the gym. It might be, you know, trying to reconcile with your, your ex, whatever it might be. Put yourself in a future state. And if it's going to irritate the hell out of you, make you sad, whatever it is, then you need to get the hell on with it. If it doesn't bother you, then it's probably something that's never going to happen and you need to let it go to make room for the things that will happen. Yeah. Excellent advice. So let's talk about the process of actually writing the book. Like when did you get the or how did you get the idea and how did you actually make it happen? Because like you say, you know, you're a single mom of two young boys, you've got your own business. Where, where do you find the time? So finding the time, because I really wanted to do it, I would find time. So I would make decisions, like really ruthless decisions about where my time would go. So I wouldn't go out on weekends. I would write my book. I took myself off to Melbourne on road trips a couple of times when the boys were with their dad to write it. Um, If the boys were with me, I'd take them to a play centre so they were entertained and I'd sit there tapping away. And back to photos, I've got photos of me with my laptop in play centres trying to write the book (laughs) Um, because I realised there was never going to be the ideal scenario with, you know, the doTERRA essential oils going and my TV case laid out. That was never going to happen. So I I found time uh, in at night and on weekends predominantly because during the week you're in a completely different headspace yeah Uh, the the book I decided to write it because I had uh, I guess enough women talk to me about what I'd been through and what I'd done say you should write a book yeah Uh, and I'm a journalist I've always I used to write books as a little kid and go and read them to the other classes at the school. So it's always been in me. And I think those comments just kind of propelled me forward to do it. And I really wanted to, like, I thought this would be a lovely process. The truth is it was really hard. It was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. I worked with a, a publisher, a friend of mine who helped me structure the book. And what I wrote, the first draft of this book is not what's in your hands at all. So you have to let go a little bit of all the time that you've invested in something that will never see the light of day. But yeah, it went through probably five or six drafts. We got a structure and then it all just started to flow. And I always knew I wanted it to be a really beautiful book with lots of pull-out quotes and images, a really easy read that you could pick up and put down, yes. write in. You know, I went off to Dimmicks and looked at the kind of books I liked, like Melissa Ambrosini and Lisa Messenger, so I modelled it on, on what they'd done. Yeah. I have a beautiful a designer and I asked her to help me create this vision of not only the book but Dream a Little Dream Project, which is the bigger um, community that I'm building, as you know. And... That's when it became fun. You know, once yeah. the book was written, 
laying it out, bringing it to life, the creativity was the bit that I really, really loved. And then to get it, you know, delivered to your door, all printed, beautiful. You know, I self-published this book, but I saved a lot of money so I could do it well. So it's, a, it's of the quality you would expect of any author. And I'm just so, so proud of it, Julia. I really am. You so should be. The quality is amazing and it is a beautiful book. Like you say, like it, it's beautiful. It's just a joy. You can dip in and out. It's very like it's got beautiful images. The paper's great quality. I get a lot of books sent to me and some of them are like little magazine type things like this is a beautiful for a self-published book it is the the quality is like better than i like other books you know what i mean like be- better than published books what's the word like yeah yeah no i know they've been published by yeah. you know a publishing yes. house and yes i just again i couldn't fiction be could have lived with myself if i'd skimped on that so by not going out and writing the book i saved a lot of money which meant that I could fund making it as beautiful as as it is. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And with the time thing as well, like I know you love Richard Branson and he says, well, no, is it he who says it? Someone, or no, maybe it's just about him. We all have the same hours in a day as Richard Branson. (laughs) And um, it's like, it's just about prioritising what is important. If you really have something that you really want to do, sacrifices need to be made and maybe you just can't watch you know, that year's season of maths or something has to go. Oh, my gosh, Julia, I would never let a season of maths go. (laughs) I'm quite addicted. (laughs) I can tell you now, if I was writing the book now, I would not have picked it up for the last two months. (laughs) My entire life is structured around maths. Oh, my gosh, it's really sad. I was emailing my team today saying, if there's anything you need me to review, I'm going to need it before 3 o'clock because once my children get home, they've got to be in bed by 6.30, so I've got an hour to prepare for Married at First Sight. <laughs> I know there's only, like, two episodes left. It's going to be devastating. But, like, yeah, maybe oh, it's picking your, your time of year then that you write it. But, like, it's hard. Like, I think it's hard to fit everything in when you do have a like and the book is probably more of a bigger dream would you say oh yes for sure so because you've got the manuscript and then you've got the design and the layout and the editing process and yes it's all it's lots and lots of of little dreams it took me two years from start to finish to get it done and I dipped in and out a hundred times I told myself I was wasting my time Put it down so it, it was a very stop start process the reason it got written and a lot of the book is in the last sort of six to eight months so quite recent was because I was launching it with um, the women in business network here in the Illawarra I yeah. decided that I wanted to do that because it's very supportive of me so we had a date for the oh. launch and I had to get it done so that's a good tactic as well yeah set a date that other people are relying on you for something and then my goodness do you tap away on that keyboarding and get it all going Going because without that, it could just have dragged on and on and on. You know, yeah. there was no deadline. There was no publisher telling me I had to have it done by a certain point in time. It was completely up to me. And whether it was taken out into the world or not, quite frankly, you know, you wouldn't have even known it existed. We wouldn't have connected. So you wouldn't have been sitting there going, oh, my gosh, I wish Lisa Berling would hurry up and write that book. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's what got me going, having a deadline. It's just bloody amazing. Like, not that many people have written a book. Like, I just think, yeah, I think it's incredible, especially as a single mum who has her own business as well. Like, you just, you know, smashed it out. It's bloody inspiring. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I I must admit I am a little bit amazed that I managed to do it. (laughs) 
Yes, it's so <laughs> impressive. So tell us about the bigger, the bigger Dream a Little Dream project, the bigger uh, vision. So I'm not a woman who does things by halves. I very much boots and all and think, okay, beyond the book, what could this look like? Because I'm conscious that not everyone reads. And if this is an important story and I feel that I can add value to help people who are a little bit stuck or like me, had life completely turned upside down, see that there is hope, then I need to be able to communicate it in more than one format. So I came up with Dream a Little Dream project. And in essence, over time, that will become an online and in-person community of little dreamers who are committed to living their life with that ethos. And I live it every day. I, you know, as the chief little dreamer, as I've called myself, feel a responsibility to keep doing it and keep showing the social proof that by keeping things contained and ticking boxes with little dreams, you can change your life very quickly. So there will be online courses. Um, I'm doing a lot of public speaking, which I love. Um, There'll be in-person workshops, mentoring, and I'm just in the process of pulling all that together now. Um, It also gives me an avenue to speak to people beyond Australia, which is nice. And actually my book, as you you may have seen, it's in 10 different countries, which I only realised the other night when I went through all the orders that I had. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's got huge potential. And my challenge is to manage myself and not think that I have to, you know, be sitting on the couch next to Oprah next week or it's a complete failure because that goes against the little dream philosophy completely. You know, it's just about taking your time, gathering the people that connect with you. Like you have, Julia, you created something amazing, Um, but you didn't wake up one day and suddenly have that, all these people there and, you know, this amazing community. So, yeah, so it's a slow burn, but it's Dream Little Dream Project and it's on Instagram and Facebook, so... And, in, and it's dream, a little dream project, all one word, isn't it, on Instagram? Yes. Yeah, that's and right. And Facebook is dream, a little dream project. And I'll put both of those links in the show notes as well. Thank you. That'd be great. And so you are very kindly offering a 10% discount for people who want to purchase the book. Yes, I would love to do that. 10 is my lucky number. That's so kind of you. Thank you so much. And how do they do that? So if they just go to um, www.lisaburling.com.au forward slash shop, uh, and they'll see that there's the book and there's also postcards that I've created, which are some of my favourite quotes and images from the book. Um, and just select what you want. And then when you go to the cart, you can put in the code, which is capital letters, D-A-L-D, which stands for Dream a Little Dream, and then the number 10, one zero. Perfect. D-A-L-D, one zero. D-A-L-D, one zero. And I will put all those links and the code in the show notes as well. Perfect. Okay, so one final question that I like to ask single mums whenever I have them on the show is, do you have any advice for new single mums or any, you know, tips or tricks or anything that you found really beneficial as a single mum? My number one tip is to know that things will get better and that this is the start of a life that you didn't even dare imagine when you were with your partner. I absolutely believe that. My own life is an example of that. I've seen it happen with a lot of other single parents. So don't see it as an end. See it as an amazing beginning. You just have to strap yourself in, be kind to yourself and do what needs to be done to make it better. Uh, I think linked to that self-care, take care of yourself, 
take help where it's offered. Don't be ashamed. You know, the saying it takes a, a village to raise a child or children is very, very true. And my little boys are richer, more well-rounded little humans because they've had the influence of people other than just me and, and their dad. So chin up, be positive, and it's going to be amazing. I love it. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Was there anything else that we needed to cover? No, I don't think so. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you and what an honour for me to be able to talk to you and then connect with so many other beautiful people that you've gathered into your community. So thank you. I I feel really honoured. You're so welcome. Um, The listeners will love you and I really hope that they get a chance to read the book because it's just incredible and it's just one of those, like I said, it just makes you feel good. It makes you feel inspired and it makes you want to reach for more and just give it everything you've got. And I just think that is such an amazing feeling, you know. It's such a positive, uplifting feeling and you've created that by writing the book. You've given the read of that feeling so I think that's so amazing I'm so thrilled you've made my day absolutely made my day with that so thank you Julia you're so welcome thank you so much for your time and for coming on the show and for sharing your story as well I know it's like you know kind of uncomfortable to talk about sometimes so I really appreciate that oh it's my pleasure and I hope one day I can come back on and we can do an update dreaming a little bigger (laughs) yes definitely I would love that okay cool well you have a great day and I'll talk to you soon Thanks, Julia. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Wow, Lisa. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so, so much for your time, for your honesty, for your words of wisdom. I absolutely loved chatting with you. And most of all, thank you for writing such an amazing book. I just absolutely loved it. And I think anybody who is a single mom or anybody who wants to create some kind of a change in their lives should read this book because it can change your life. It's just amazing. And as I said, it just makes you feel good. So if you're listening and you're interested, jump into the show notes. Lisa has kindly offered that 10% discount code. So I will put those details in the show notes. It's so kind of you, Lisa. Thank you so much. LisaBerling.com.au slash shop select what you want and then use the code D for Danny, A-L-D for Danny again, short for dream a little dream, D-A-L-D number 1010. And you will get your 10% discount. And Lisa has also offered to give away one of her books, which is just so lovely. Now, If you want to get your hands on that, here's what you need to do. So this podcast is released on Wednesday. You need to go over to my Instagram at single mother survival guide. That's the handle. It's all one word. I have put a post up every week. I put a post up, which kind of gives a little blurb about that week's podcast episode. You need to go to this week's one. So it's episode 139. It'll be in my Instagram feed on Wednesday the 10th of April. You need to like the post. You need to make sure you're following both me at Single Mother Survival Guide and Lisa over at Dream A Little Dream Project. That link is in the show notes too, but you can find her. It's just all one word, Dream A Little Dream Project. And of course, I will tag her in that post. Tag a friend in the comments and tell them and us 
a little bit about a little dream that you have. And I think when you put things out into the universe, you make it happen. Yes, so anyone can enter this competition. It's worldwide. Entries will close at 8pm on Sunday the 14th of April, Australian Eastern Standard Time. And I can't wait to see what you have to say. I mean, Lisa, that was just incredible. You know, one of the things that I really loved about what you said was um, talking about how badly do you want it? And that's powerful for you listening as well. I think it's worth asking yourself that if you set yourself a dream, you know, what's the difference between someone who reaches their goals and someone that doesn't? I think, you know, you've got a plan in place, but how badly do you want it? You know, because if you're not that motivated, you know, chances are you're probably not going to get into it. So for this reason, I always think it's a really good idea as well to write down your why, you know, why do you want it? Make it strong. You know, when you look at it, you're like, damn, I want to get that. So you're going to work for it. You're going to get that done. So if you wanted to get in touch with Lisa, I'll put her links to Facebook and Instagram in the show notes. You can find her at Dream A Little Dream Project. If you wanted to get in touch with me, you can email me at julia at singlemothersurvivalguide.com or you can connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at Single Mother Survival Guide. I would love to hear from you. Okay. As I said at the start, if you have enjoyed this podcast, I'd be absolutely thrilled if you could take a few seconds to rate it and even write a review if you have a spare minute. And don't forget to subscribe while you're there. You know, but the best feedback for me is word of mouth. So if you do know of a single mom who is struggling, I would love for you to point her in the direction of this podcast and hopefully, you know, she can gain a little bit of inspiration and hope from that as well. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day or evening, depending on where you are and when you're listening. And I'm really looking forward to speaking with you next week. Okay, bye for now.